never say die! Going on 14. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 282 of 40 Going On 14. And I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I don't know that I'd say I'm in love with my car. I mean, I like it, but do mm. I like it like it? <laughs> Check Maybe yes it's, or no. it's complicated. Let's Check yes or no. That's a callback, though. That's a very little known. I'm in a complicated relationship with my car. Wow. It doesn't have the it, same ring to it. No. It doesn't go yeah, it doesn't go as well. Doesn't really flow. Only a little worse than the actual song though. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh my god, that that is easily my least favorite <laughs> Queen song. But it's still better than a lot of other songs out there. So, sorry, Roger. Yeah. Yeah, he cried. Well, in case you haven't guessed from that and completely uh non-obvious uh hint right there, the show this week is on Queen, the band. The full Queen show. As opposed to Her Majesty. We're going to be talking Queen from, uh, well, from all their music and and everything up until the recent hit movie, Bohemian Rhapsody Academy Award winning movie. Yeah, Yeah, we're doing kind of an interesting uh, format. Yeah. Music in the first half, movie in the second half. Party in the business in the front, party in the back. Just like that. This is the mullet of our shows. Show 282, the Queen show. Our and if you show. like mullets, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> you might like the shows on the Podcast Collective, such as I Am Salt Lake, Achy Breaky Heart, <laughs> The Empty Rant Podcast, with mullets. Talk music to me. Eastbound and down. And of course, yeah. And of course, the Rad Dead Radio Hour. I don't think you understand how guitars work. Wow. More than you do. Just move on. (laughs) (laughs) Sir. Yes. So if uh, you're looking for our older stuff, iTunes, Blueberry, (laughs) Stitcher, all those other places, including Spotify... Woo-hoo. And uh, go on podchaser.com. It's IMDB for a podcast. Bum, bum, Give bum. us ratings. We Ra- like ratings. Rate us. Please contact us. Do we have any voicemails? Uh. <laughs> people wonder why we or we wonder why people don't leave us any. The professionalism you've all come to know. Yes. <laughs> it's well, been a long week. It Let really has. And and for those of you that joined us earlier when we were practicing and testing out the streaming thing, uh, I just want to apologize for everything Pat said. <laughs> He is well aware that dogs do not have more than one clit, <laughs> much less a we, comedy uh, clit. We have no voicemails. We have no voicemails. Okay. So it is definitely about that time. Indeed. Wow, that was fast. That's what she said. This week in music, movies, and TV. I'll actually hear listen to the news, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Joel, your reference is there. If you think that's a Queen album, this is going to be a long show. No, I said it our, wasn't. I know. I'm, just, I'm, I'm like, our music guy is off the rails already. Oh, I'm trying to have. Trying to switch things up a little bit. No, don't do well, that. Don't, don't, don't do that. You were given a job. Do yeah. that job. You especially don't like that. I don't even know why you're trying that. What have we told you about trying? <laughs> <laughs> to not? 
Yes. <laughs> That's how you fail. <laughs> Look how far it's gotten you so far. <laughs> what the line from Bobby Heenan he used to say, win if you or win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. See? Pat's there got it go. down. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're, we're taking life advice from him. <laughs> yeah, if he knows how to fuck up a life, it's Pat. <laughs> That's true. So just take take his I advice and reverse yeah. it. Though the problem is I didn't take my own advice. Yeah. So the theme this week, November 24th, 1991. Who knows uh, what that's for? <laughs> Pat does, I hope, because he's the one who wrote the tweet. Yep, but I purposely didn't write it in there. Was that when it. Bohemian Rhapsody hit the charts again? Nope. No, that would be the uh, day Freddie Mercury died? Correct. Oh, uh, look at you. Pretty sure. No, 100%. That's it. Yeah. yeah. On November 23rd, he announced to the world that he had AIDS, and on the 24th, he died. Wow. Way to start us off with a upbeat swing there, Pat. Well, spoiler yeah. alert, Freddie Mercury dies in the movie. <gasps> you should probably know that by the end of the show. Well, technically, actually, he doesn't really die in the movie. He no. Dies, he dies in the the epilogue. Yeah. Wow. How did it lead in from that? All right. So music. Um, <laughs> the number one song of the land was When a Man Loves a Woman by Michael Bolton. That's a great And according song. to Pat, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to mic it and just <laughs> do a Ron Burgundy. Take classy, Sandy. Or no. All right. You know what, though? Michael Bolton, honestly, what? I give him a lot of credit because he he's he's reached a point of one of those uh, celebrities that doesn't take himself seriously anymore. Correct. Yeah, I, I definitely like him more as a comedian than I did as an artist. Oh, yeah. For sure. Like well, Josh Groban or even Michael Bublé, I think, doesn't take himself too seriously. Well, the Lonely Island video did it for me. Yeah. Yeah. The Captain Jack Sparrow video. That's yes, that brilliant. was amazing. Yeah. Agreed. On November 24th, Eric Carr, born Parles. Parles? Car- Paul? <laughs> Charles? Jesus Charles. Christ. The word is Paul. <laughs> Paul. It's one of the most <laughs> common names on earth. He just suddenly turned into a pirate. Pearl! Your brother-in-law's name is Paul. <laughs> That's funny. My name is also Pearl. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. Because originally that's come, the only... Come along, Bort. <laughs> that was the only thing Pat had in there. I'm like, there's no way I can mess this up. <laughs> I was wrong. I'm in danger. <laughs> so on November, November 4th, Eric Carr born. <laughs> Charles Caravello <laughs> what was, is drummer, going on here? was the drummer for Kiss. He died of cancer at 41 years of age on November 24th. Does anybody oh. else smell toast? <laughs> I do. Oh, Jesus Christ. Rest in peace. That's like one of the easiest sentences in all I of these show notes. I know. Yeah. Uh, Paul, that's what trips you up. Paul. But, hey, Parles is still more metal than Kiss, though. <laughs> On November 30th, Rob Palatic of attempted suicide at the age of 27 due to the follow-up from their lip-syncing scandal. Uh, you know, due to the law of averages, there has to be at least five people in the world with a Millie Vinnelly tattoo. I, yeah. I, I listened to the, the, that album a lot. I liked it. Well, I mean, it wasn't the singing that was the problem. Uh-uh. No, it wasn't like that. It was just the... So, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, enjoying their music because it wasn't even them singing it. Yeah, that's fair. 
And finally, Michael Jackson released his hit album, Dangerous, on November 26th. I like that album quite a bit. It is a good album. I, I was so afraid I was going to mess that up. <laughs> what, Michael? It really was. I, who knows? <laughs> I don't even know. What, <laughs> his, his hit album, Danger Thorth. <laughs> I don't even know where Parles came from. I don't. Probably his mom, but still. All right, moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was The Addams Family. Never seen it. What? Oh, I loved that film so much when it came out. You're oh. going to have to see it because they're remaking it. Yeah, speaking yeah, of which, yeah. we're going to be able to do a show soon. I'm pretty sure yeah, we're going to do that one. You know, it, it, you know, don't be disappointed in it previous, uh, ahead of time because, honestly, it's cast perfectly. And it's very 1991. Like, yeah, I mean, I've seen clips of it. Oh, come so. on. The, the theme song is done by uh, MC, MC Hammer. Hammer. You know? Yeah. You know what? Actually, that's probably the main way I know it is from the, his video. Oh, yeah. I was a huge, huge fan of that film. Yeah. But if we do the show, we'll have to do the original series versus the the, the animated film, right? We're not going 91. Oh, we'd have to talk about the 90s one as well. The we'll figure it out. Reaper. All right, yeah, we'll get yeah. there. Gina Petrushka, actress who had small parts in The Exorcist and Sybil, died on November 20th. So, oh. Newsday Pat? Yep. Hard to find some shit. She played the maid in uh, The Exorcist. Oh, she was my favorite character. Oh. <laughs> my favorite scene of hers was when she was scrubbing the pee out of the carpet. That was a good scene. She, uh, she really sold that. <laughs> I believed there was pee that needed to be cleaned. All right, Klaus Kinski, <laughs> born Klaus Gunter Karl Kaczynski on October 18th, 1926, was a German actor who appeared in more than 130 films. He was a leading role actor in the films of Werner Herzog, including Agera, The Wrath of God, Nosferatu the Vampire, Wojciech, Fitzcarraldo, and Cobra Verde. Hey, he also appeared in... Points for in... saying Wojciech, right? That's good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of landmines in those first couple sentences. <laughs> and hey, as the resident like Polak, you did Damn great. It, you be, that is literally what I was going to say. The resident Polak gives you a thumbs up. Damn it. He also appeared in many spaghetti westerns, such as For a Few Dollars More, A Bullet for the General, and Shoot the Living and Pray for the Dead. Kinski was a controversial figure, and some of his tantrums were on, on set were filmed in Herzog's documentary, My Best Fiend. He is the father of Pola, Nastasia, and Nikolai Kinski, born of three different marriages. They have all become actors and have worked in Germany and the United States in film and TV. Klaus died on November 3rd of a sudden heart attack at his home, and his body was cremated and his ashes were scattered into the Pacific Ocean. That's a great title for a film, by the way. Shoot the Living and Pray for the Dead. That's a great title. That is a good title. And that was almost the acronym of the week. Ah. <laughs> I've actually seen The Wrath of God. That was when I, I, I remember grabbing his stuff when I was working at the uh, video store. I've never seen any Herzog movies. Oh, really? Wait, we're talking about yeah. Kinski or Herzog? Klaus Kinski. Herzog, yeah, okay, we're talking about Klaus Kinski. Yeah, but I'm just in general, I've never seen any of these movies. Herzog, though, I mean, he does, he's, he's as much of an actor as he is a director these days. Yeah. His and his documentaries are pretty good. Yeah. 
Ralph his voice Bellamy. is very well known. Sorry. Go ahead. Ralph Bellamy, American actor from Rosemary's Baby, His Girl Friday, and Trading Places, among others, died at 87 on November 29th. I'm so old. That's one of those guys you know him if you see him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd have to look up to see who he was. He he was the the portlier of the brothers, the Duke and Duke brothers in Trading Places. Okay. Yep. If you see him, you go, oh, that dude. Oh, yeah, that dude. Yep. yep. See, just like that. All right, so TV, the top shows in the land were 60 Minutes, Cheers, Roseanne, and Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown was a rare appearance, not not unprecedented, just rare. Very 90s, though, still. Yep. All right, so Sand Del Berti was a Chiracaca. Am I doing that right? Chir- Chiracaca? I don't think any of us can correct you on it. Okay. So Apache actor who often played Native Americans. He was an Apache member of the Apache tribe born in Pueblo, Colorado. His second wife was Groucho's daughter, Melinda Marks. Interesting. There's going to be a Groucho Marx connection later on, too. That that was just too much of a <laughs> great fact to not include. So <laughs> the fact that Melinda Groucho Marx's daughter married an Apache actor is really can you can you imagine what thanksgiving had to be like yeah and it's amazing (laughs) in my head (laughs) that was uh bertie appeared in guest starring roles in many television programs from the 1950s through the 1980s primarily in westerns such as bonanza and gunsmoke but in other roles as well in 1963 he played the indian named little buffalo in the episode of the day of the flying dutchman on abc's western series which is also the acronym of the week T-T-O-J-M. I'm pretty sure that's Testicle Tortures of Jacques Molay. Starring child actor Kurt Russell. (laughs) (laughs) Oddly enough, I'd watch that. Uh, No, I'm sorry. That is The Travels of Jamie McFeaters. Hmm. Which I have never heard of. All right. And after that statement of Jamie McFeaters, I have to get ready for the rest of it. So hang on. All right. There we go. (laughs) Um, starring child actor Kurt Russell. He also co-starred as One Feather on the short-lived drama series Born to the Wind. I have yep. no recollection of that whatsoever. I don't know. Either. Obviously, other than you know, Bonanza and Gunsmoke, I don't know any of these. Mm-hmm. Birdie's final appearance was on an episode of the sitcom Saved by the Bell. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. That was the thing that I laughed at when I was typing this out. Wow. Raul like, <laughs> Julia is like... <laughs> I know, you know, that's exactly what I was thinking about. Raul Julia. He's like, yeah, I know how you feel. Um, At least I was in a feature film. When yes. I told you guys, I was, I was like, no, I'm waiting for the tweet for you guys to read this. That, that's what, That was it. Now, he was also the voice of Chief Joseph in the American Adventure at Walt Disney World's Epcot Center in Florida. Birdie died of a heart attack in Los Angeles, California on November 26th at the age of 70. He was absorbed. Hey, Pat. Yeah. 70 is almost 20 years away. I know. Isn't that insane? Oh, Fuck. stop it. Stop it. Think about that. Stop it. What the hell? I mean, no. statistically, half of us probably won't make it, so don't worry about it. Oh, That's well. entirely too true. I'm not worried about 70 by the slightest. Oh, yeah. my God. I hope I make it to 50. <laughs> All right. So I mean, we, we are, we are clo- we're, we're, we're closer to 60 than we are 30. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> hey, hey, Pat, yeah, I got a little, little bag of dicks over here for you. 
You know what also I've realized is I, as my older daughter has gotten a job, I am now the uh, parent who cannot fall asleep until I know they're home, which sucks. You just sit in the chair waiting? Yeah, just waiting for the door to open and close. Okay, I can go to bed. Anyway, going on. November 16th, Ellen Cleghorn, Melanie Hutchell, and Beth Callhill joined the cast of Saturday Night Live. Cahill. Oh, shut up, Paul. They <laughs> right. Who? Parles, Parles, Parles. Mr. Parles. He's got terrible Parlesy. Jesus Christ. Okay. On November eighteenth, Shining Time Station returned for a second season with George Carlin taking over the role as Mr. Conductor after the departure of Ringo Starr. That yep. was with uh, uh, whatever the name Thomas of that. Tank Thomas Engine. Yeah, Thomas Tank Engine. Yeah. That was one of those things. Like when the kids were watching that. I'm like, um, you know, I'm in the kitchen or something working on the computer, and they hear, hey, it's time that we get the engineer over here, and you hear George Carlin's voice on a kid's show? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ringo Starr is one thing, but when you hear George Carlin start talking, you're like, wait a second. He's like, Let me tell you about the seven words you can't say on TV. <laughs> Conductor, engine, caboose. Pawal. <laughs> Kids. What? <laughs> Mike's created his own version of that now. Of Parles? Yeah, Parles and Palal. Well, that's the that's the Brazilian version. Yes. Oh. Palal no soccer. How much is the Brazilian? <laughs> How many is the Brazilian? Moving on to sports. On November 19th, Baltimore Orioles legend and Hall of Fame MLB player Cal Ripken won his second AL MVP. The following day, the Atlanta Braves' Terry Pendleton won the National League MVP. It doesn't matter because Baltimore sucks. Yeah. I mean, you've never heard anybody go, hey, I'm going to Baltimore. <laughs> no, actually, Baltimore's supposedly pretty lovely, but I'm never going to admit that because Uki's from Baltimore. So, mm. so Baltimore sucks. Look Moving what, on. Look what on. you did. Where Baltimore's exactly. nose in it. <laughs> exactly. I do. I, I cannot give props to Baltimore because you produced that. Well, oh. yeah. If you watch The Wire, it looks like a lovely and safe place to live. <laughs> every city has bad spots. Well, not every city. I mean, Baltimore's but... happens to be Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> Baltimore's like is just all of the spots in the city on the map. You <laughs> just motioned to all of me. It's, it's, like, it's like that scene in Parks and Rec. Where she's standing there with the the Wamapoke Indian, all, all the all the parts where the Wamapoke Indian were assaulted are in blue. <laughs> the whole ma- anyway. Moving on. Sorry, I got I got distracted there. Uh-huh. On November twenty first, the Sacramento Kings lost their still to this day NBA record forty third game on the road in a row. Thirty seven of those games were in nineteen ninety ninety one, and the other six were in ninety one ninety two before finally breaking their streak on November 23rd when they beat the Orlando Magic 95-93. to Ooh, jeez. <laughs> Not much of a victory. No, but, you know, after 43 of them, we'll probably felt pretty good. Get. Yeah, they'll take it, right? Take what we can get. Uh, and here is our cricket fact of the week. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. Prior Erskine Waverly Jones, born in Prince's Town, Trinidad and Tobago, was a West Indian cricketer who played in nine tests from 1947 to 48. Stop there. Through, 
he was born in Princestown, Trinidad and Tobago. No, Trinidad and Tobago is the name of of, of an the island. country. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an island country. Oh, yeah. I learned something. Yes. I, I mostly oh. only know Trinidad and Tobago because of the rum that uh, is produced there is unusually high quality, and I'm a rum guy. Oh yeah, I'm I'm aware of the rum. I just didn't realize there was multiple places in one. Sp- okay, anyway, go ahead, yeah. cricketer. <laughs> That's all right. A fast bowler, Jones played first-class cricket for Trinidad from 1940 to 41 to 1950 to 51. He toured India with the West Indian team and played his last first-class matches on tour with in Australia and New Zealand in 1951-52. He also captained Trinidad at soccer. He died on November 21st. I'm zoned. Why was that so quiet? I don't know. Okay. Moving on. He was a fast bowler, so I was trying to make it fast, I guess. <laughs> okay. When the college football season officially ended on November 30th, San Diego State's Marshall Falk became the first freshman to capture national rushing and scoring titles. That's impressive. I will say that I agree with you because I don't know. I don't know. All right. Take us out, Keyboard Joel. Take us out, Puss Cannon. Keep going. We voted, voted, and and Puss Cannon is out. We're out. (laughs) Josh just walked out. We've been taken out. (laughs) We're no longer in. (laughs) Yeah, you guys said Stone Snagopus was replacing it permanently, so. Okay. So, Queen. <laughs> Queen. <laughs> All right. So, in 1968, there was a gentleman by the name of Brian May. He was a uh, going to London's Imperial College as a student, and he was hanging out with uh, Tim Steffel, who was a bassist, and they wanted to form a band. They uh, placed an ad for someone who's kind of like Mitch Mitchell, who uh, Mitch Mitchell was on the... Uh, Jimi Hendrix experience and Ginger Baker. Pat, help me out. Ginger Baker's who? Hmm? Ginger Baker for the drummer. Who was that? Oh, he uh, he was the first drummer for the who. Okay. So uh, also Roger Taylor, a dental student, auditioned and got the job. And they named themselves Smile. Yeah. And Tim uh, Steffel was the uh, lead singer as well for Smile. Mm-hmm. They had a fan who would follow him around. Well, I was supposed to follow him around, but uh, eventually came by the name of Freddie Mercury. Uh, he was a luggage handler, <laughs> which I think yep. is hilarious. At Heathrow. At Heathrow Airport. And he kind of changed. I mean, that I think that right there, you know, how they always talk about in Doctor Who when you have those pivotal moments that don't change. It's a fixed point in time. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Because he'd been badgering them to join the band for a while, and until Tim left, they, they didn't let him, and then they, they needed a singer. Mm-hmm. So his original name was Farouk Bulsara. He was a student of Zanzibar. Uh, he was Parasi descent from India. Um, he joined up, and uh, uh, history changed. Farouk. As did his name. Yes, it did. 
Uh, classic lineup of Queen was Freddie Mercury, Brian May, Roger Taylor, and John Deacon. They had multiple studio albums, ranging from Queen, Queen 2, The Classic, A Night at the Opera, and A Day at the Races, uh, all the way going to 1995's Made in Heaven. The question I have for you guys, what is the first Queen song that you remember hearing? Um, I remember being at my grandma's house, and my cousins listened to you know a lot of stuff that was on the radio. And I remember them playing another one bites the dust and just that baseline immediately got me interested. And then the lyrics were kind of, you know, different and I was hooked. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Huh? See, for me, I knew we are the champions well before I really knew who queen was like, we are the champions. I, I can remember in grade school, knowing that song, but I didn't really get into Queen until high school. Mm-hmm. Pat, what about you? My story is uh, similar to Josh's. Um, I, of course, knew We Will Rock You and um, We Are the Champions, you know, because I played too many sports to not know those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I didn't really know, like, you know, who the band was or really anything about them. I just knew the songs, you know, because they played every fucking weird you know so um this is the thing i told you josh i was going to kind of talk about with you is i really honestly did not even know who this band was until josh and i lived together and um when i grew up you know i knew of the band queen and i i knew like i can't listen to that that you know they're named after you know a, a gay sex term you know, and I was trying, you know, when I was in high school and stuff, when I heard about them and knew who they were, and I was like, I can't listen to that. That's sec- you know, that's too far secular. Like I listened to some secular music, but I didn't, yep. you know, I didn't screw that. Away. I'm going to listen to King Missile. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> so I wasn't listening to War and King Diamond or any kind, yeah, anything, you know, too crazy. You know, like the hardest I got back then, I think, was like Fleetwood Mac and stuff. You know, but kiss. Anyway. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I probably kiss. Yeah, I guess would we'll be. Anyway, I've died. I've I've. Uh, gone astray here so um i knew of them but i didn't listen to them and then when josh and i were living together he of course was listening to them a lot and i realized holy shit these guys are good (laughs) yeah i was a fanatic pretty much the one-two punch of wayne's world and highlander just Mm. like locked me in and i immediately bought queen queen two day at the races night at the opera jazz news of the world uh a kind of magic uh, all within like a year. Yeah, and he and he played them all the time, and I, you know, and, and like I said, I realized I really liked them. So I and they are now either my top favorite or my second favorite band of all time, and I owe that to Josh because he introduced me to him. So thank you. Oh, I'm I'm glad to have been of service. It's. <laughs> awesome I mean, I'm sure have. I'm sure somebody would have at some point, but I mean, it's directly you in you know. Awesome. So, Glad to hear that. This is one of those times where Josh led Patrick into something good. <laughs> Short list. Yeah, yeah, we knew there had to be something on it. We this and it. ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> and pork chop sandwiches. Oh wait, Patrick introduced that. Oh. All right, so they had a ton of albums. Their initial album. One of the things that I read about them when they're when they first released was that they were not 
I don't want to say super accepted. Their first album had things like Keep Yourself Alive, The Fairy King, and Night Comes Down. There wasn't a lot. Or Seven Seas of Rye. I think that was the one that was like eight and a half minutes long with no chorus. No, it has a it has a chorus. It has yeah. a chorus? Which one am I thinking? Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of the one of the Queen. Um, ah, crap. I just lost the name of it. But they didn't get initially, well, again, from critics, a great response. They, they, uh, the critics at the time often suggested that they were over, um, over dramatic, yeah, overproduced, over, yeah. yeah. And but the thing is, it's it's kind of like the ratings on um, Rotten Tomatoes. Where you've got like the critic rating is like thirty percent and the fan rating is eighty five ninety percent. So nineteen seventy three, that's the first one came out. Queen two. <clears throat> everybody has seen this album. Oh uh, yeah. It's again, if you think Bohemian Rhapsody, bottom lit. It's it's all four of them: Brian May at the top and uh, Freddie Mercury at the bottom, and the rest on the other side. With that one, and it it created not only a reimagining and an alteration in the way that rock and roll music went, but it also, when they finally did Bohemian Rhapsody as a the well, the precursor to the modern music video. I would, I would, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, because a lot of the times when people would do their music, they would do, you know, you go on Ed Sullivan and you perform your show and then like the Beatles, these guys actually preempted that and would just, because they didn't want to, they didn't want to lip sync and they didn't want to uh, do it live and mess up the, sh- mess up the pr- presentation of it. So they performed this one. So... And it was it was one of the first songs where the video was pretty much as important as the song on the first release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'll say one of the first things I've heard about uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is that. Uh, oh no. Is that? Yeah, Freddie... that's, that's not on Queen Two. That's yes. on a night no. of the opera. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. The March of the Black Queen is the eight minute long with no. Um, Chorus. No chorus. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, because for my money, a, a night at the opera, as much shit as I give, <clears throat> uh, I'm in love with my car. It is up there with pet sounds for me as lists of like perfect albums. I, I don't split. I, I don't skip any songs when listening to a night at the opera. I definitely always skip. I'm in love with my car, but that's it. <laughs> Because fuck that song, man. I'm not not gonna listen to it. Oh well, yeah. It does kind of take you out of the the moment. I mean, I love Queen, and and that song is just not good. You don't like you well, you follow through on lazing on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, I love yeah. that song. I oh, love lazing on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I was no. gonna say one one quick trivia on this one: A Night at the Opera, A Day at the Races, both Groucho or Marx Brothers movies. Yep. Yep. Af- um, wait, wait, wait. After a day at the races, Queen actually got invited to Mark to Marx brother or Groucho Marx's house, and they performed thirty nine for him a cappella. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I and it's one of those like, too. hey, if you're going to think that Queen is going to do an acapella impromptu concert for whoever, Groucho Marx would not even come into the picture if you did not know that. Hmm. So. Interesting. Um, when you mentioned, excuse me, when you mentioned uh, uh, I'm in love with my car, for me, after the initial hearing of, uh, damn it, <laughs> the song, oh. Another One Bites the Dust, when I was a, a kid, um, Queen was in and out of my life until I hit high school. And I just wanted to kind of back up what Josh was talking about. Um, cause I had a similar experience cause Matt and Matt and our friend, John, that's all we listened to like incessantly was queen whenever we were playing video games and stuff. And I remember whenever I, I love, I'm in love with my car came on, we skipped it <laughs> and <laughs> it was a staple of high school, but I have heard the song, but yeah, it was always the one that you skipped. I almost always had the single for Bohemian Rhapsody and the single for uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit on my person in like like my junior senior year of high school. Well, and when it came back around in '92 with uh, Wayne's World, you know, it was it was all the rage there again for a while. A lot of people hadn't heard it before. Younger kids. Anyway. I'm not entirely sure I'd ever heard Bohemian Rhapsody before Wayne's World, but yeah, we did the whole driving around, playing it in the car thing so much. I think everybody did. Even um, recently when uh, the kids and I and, and uh, Laura were going somewhere and I put on Queen uh, and that song came on, we were all singing along and we all did the headbanging part. Nice. Because that's what you do. I agree. Anyway, sorry, you were going down the albums. All right. No, uh, I'm just going by <clears throat> what we know. Uh, Night at the Opera, the, the the Bohemian Rhapsody thing, one of the other things that I have heard, but I, have ye- I haven't verified, is that the opening vocals of Bohemian Rhapsody are all done by Freddie Mercury and just overlaid on himself. I wouldn't be I've surprised. heard that too. I've heard that too. I don't know if it's 100% true, but I That's true. I mean the uh, opera was all four of them, but uh the opening is all Freddie. Uh and he does the same thing with the Prophet song where you get into that crazy choral really long bridge where he's okay. layered uh, echoing himself mm-hmm. for like a minute and a half. Yeah. And have you guys noticed I didn't realize this until I was looking at the studio albums list that Mike has here. The first, like, what, seven albums were one year apart? They weren't, and some of them even had um, Queen 2 and Cheer Heart Attack came out the same year. Can you imagine a band releasing an album a year that had that many memorable big songs on it like that? Because your standard release time for an album is every two years, unless you're Tool. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but to do it once a year, every year, and have that many big songs, that's freaking impressive they were like the stephen king of music cranking out a bunch of really awesome stuff at a at a high clip i mean yeah that's yeah i'm I'm not i'm not saying that's a good comparison you know yeah so uh, 1975 had a night at the opera a day at the races in 1976 news of the world 1977 love that cover oh that one honestly the cover of that album maybe i hate to say it but makes me think of mr roboto (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> it does kind but of... it is one of the most iconic covers in the history of rock and roll. Oh, yeah. But immediately, imagine being of this, buying this album, putting the needle down, and getting We Will Rock You, We Are the Champions, and Sheer Heart Attack one right after the other. Yeah. Uh, you know where that cover comes from, right? Enlighten me. It's actually the cover to uh, a magazine called Astounding Science Fiction from the 50s. Huh. Huh. I yeah. did not know that. I just assumed it was commissioned or something. Yeah, it's... no, they well, they actually went to the original artist who painted the cover for the specific issue of Astounding Science Fiction and commissioned him to alter the painting specifically for the cover. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. Frank Kelly Phrase. Mm-hmm. Nice. A, that's, yeah. that's a fun fact. Yeah, cool. I mean, yeah, even <clears throat> though, yeah, Queen is like one of the biggest bands of my life. Well, yep. uh, Queen is one of the biggest bands of, like, ever. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> uh, after this, they produced The Game. Uh, this one had such songs as Dragon Attack. Wait, did you skip jazz? Did I skip jazz? Yeah, because jazz has got fat bottom girls and bicycle race. Oh, we were just. Oh, yeah, we skipped jazz. Yeah, fat bottom girls and bicycle race. Amazing songs. Stray. I don't. I don't like bicycle race, but I don't fast forward past it. What fun? Yeah, I just don't like it. It's just. It's there. Oh come on! I mean, it's it's not. I want to ride my bike. It's not, I'm in love with my car. So, right. you know. I also am a big fan of Mustafa off of that album. That's a good one. That yeah. is a good one. And at the very end of it, side two, almost to the last, Don't Stop Me Now. Which mm-hmm. everybody now remembers, uh, well, not only, but now remembers it also as being in Shaun of the Dead. Yep. That's a great scene with that song. Don't Stop Me Now. Oh, well, it is one of my favorite Queen songs ever. It is a great song. It really is. And after that, they produced The Game that we just talked about. Yeah. Crazy little thing called Love. Play the game. Another one bites the dust. Crazy little thing called Love. One of the things I like about this song is that everybody thinks it's a cover. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, because I think most people don't encounter their first time hearing Crazy Little Thing Called Love uh, from the game, unless back in the late 70s, early 80s, they were already Queen fans. Because Crazy Little Thing Called Love, I think most people hear it from Live at Wembley. True. And it does sound like he's covering Elvis or something. Yes. Oh, very rockabilly. Yeah. And the video is fantastic. Uh, Brian, Brian May went against type and played a, a, a guitar that he never plays in any other song of theirs for that one. Oh, that's a good, nice. Well, it, I mean, when you hear when you hear him play, you know it's uh, he has a very distinct sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. well, you know, you know the one of the big reasons why he has such a distinct sound, right? He, he doesn't. Like he doesn't. He doesn't use picks. He uses uh, British pound coins. I no. did know that one. Yeah. Huh. yeah. And he very aggressively, so he and he has uh, his his he has specially made uh, guitar strings because he very aggressively plays, and so they're made thicker for him, and that's why he has like an incredibly distinct guitar sound. Oh, very cool. Yeah, 
Hmm. Uh, another thing about jazz is it had a song called, uh, wait, jazz? No, the game. The game had a song in there called Don't Try Suicide. Yep, I remember that song. Yep, mm-hmm. which was a uh, B-side of the single for Another One Bites the Dust, ironically. You wouldn't like it, don't try suicide. Yeah. It's a very cheesy song, Yeah, it is. in my opinion. But it's still a good song. I mean, it's better than I, I'm in love with my car. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if that's the bar, then, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm the one who started picking on the song, and now I'm defending it. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't realize how deep the hatred was. Uh, so after this, they got into the movies. And they oh. did the soundtrack to Flash Gordon. Boom, 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 boom. Oh. He saved every one of us. What do you mean, Flash Gordon approaching? <laughs> this. Skeletor? I, okay, first off, I. <laughs> no, that's not me. <laughs> Background Skeletor? Background Skeletor says you're wrong. I have an, one, I have an unhealthy love for the movie Flash Gordon. Oh, it's, it's cheesy. So, it's so, so cheesy. Easy. It is. I'm going to be the dissenting voice. If oh, it man. wasn't for Queen's soundtrack, I would hate this movie. You don't even like Flash Gordon? I I tolerate Flash Gordon because of the soundtrack. Wow. Shame. Wow. I, here's, here's the thing. is like I give campiness from the 60s a Shame. path. But once <laughs> you get to... I, I, when I first saw it, I, I was already a fan of the character Flash Gordon, so I think it was a matter of my expectations, hoping it was going to take itself seriously, and when it was basically 1960s Batman meets Flash Gordon, yeah. I was personally very disappointed in it. Yeah, Sam Jones, uh, don't get me wrong, Sam Jones is not a good Flash Gordon. It's just uh, the overall spirit of the movie is what I like. I mean, it's not good by any stretch. No, yeah. but everybody is all in. That's what I like about it. And yeah, I was unusual fun. that I was like a seven-year-old who knew who Ming the Merciless was. So, like, by the time this came around, I was hyped for it. And when I saw it, it let me down so hard. Yeah, oh, it's, like, it's like the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yeah, I have a spaceship down in the basement still. <laughs> I saw it in the theater. I'm sure you did. But the fight on the floating platform was pretty cool. Oh, and Hawkman? Badass. <clears throat> All right, so after this... Hot Space came out. Um, I, it's under not, pressure. Under pressures on this, and that and that's yep. it. No, really. Yeah, that yeah. and that was the last. That was the last track on the entire album. This is one of the few Queen albums I've never owned. Huh. But what a great duet. You know, I have to say, Under Pressure. Every single Josh, you may back me up on this. Every single time I hear Under Pressure, I think of. Uh, John, what's his face looking at the baby and gross went blank. <laughs> John Cusack. John Cusack, yeah. That's that's what it uh that's what shows up in my in my brain. Uh, huh. this one, every time I hear it, I think about how I liked it better as Ice Ice Baby. I was just gonna uh, say, you steal your tongue. <laughs> I was gonna see if somebody could mention that. Yep. Hey, this one hit number one in Austria, so. He tried to say he didn't rip it off from this song. Whatever. Changed a note. He goes, yeah. dun, 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 da, da, dun, dun, dun. 
<laughs> See? Shut up, dude. All right, stop. All right, so after the, after this one, after the Hot Space, The Works came out in 1984, leading in with Radio Gaga. Right? Just an... It almost sounds like a ridiculous song, but then you listen to it, and it's so good. It's so much better live than on the album. Mm-hmm. I, I like both versions. I, I'm with Joel. Like, I agree with Pat, but I like both ver- versions. Well, and I Want to Break Free is a great song, and Hammer to Fall has got the, the, the classic la- last line. Um, all we want is fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I believe that was an Iron Eagle, wasn't it? Yep. Didn't they use that in Iron Eagle? Yeah, yeah, 100% they did. And then they close out the album with Is This the World We Created, which I love. <laughs> Josh got creepy there for yeah. a minute. Great song. You think that song was his dog? <laughs> I want to love it. Now is the uh, time on 40 going on 14 when we dance. <laughs> <laughs> I love to dance. All right, so 1986, they get into the movies again with It's a Kind of Magic and One Vision that all wind up in the Highlander oh, that's movie. that's the fried chicken song. Sorry. What's that? That's the fried chicken song. Yes. Yeah, that's the fried chicken song. Sorry. Oh, I thought you were insinuating that that was on the album, that song. No, it's at the end that I... Yeah, yeah, it's One Vision Vision is the song, I thought. Yeah, Yeah, and One Vision was in both films. Yeah. Iron Eagle and Highlander. Yeah. But this also has uh, the song It's Kind of Magic and One Year of Love, which is a a good song as well. And Gimme the Prize, which was used for Kurgan. Actually, that's one one of the things that... um, Roger Taylor complained about in an interview was that he he wanted the song to be about Martin Luther King and then complained that Freddie Mercury had tossed in lyrics with one shrimp, one prawn, one clam, one chicken. <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds like him, yeah. Yeah. This I don't know, every time I hear a kind of magic, now listeners you may have heard of Jay, but every single time I hear a kind of magic, I think of Jay, who has been a roommate to all of us at one point or the other. Mm-hmm. But it's a, a kind of magic is a great freaking song. Yes. It's a kind huh. of magic. One vision actually does not appear in Highlander. I stand corrected. It, I thought it did. What? I thought it did too. No, only six of the nine songs on A Kind of Magic made it into Highlander, and that is not one of them. Oh, I'm looking at it. It was an Iron Eagle, though. Yep. <sighs> of all movies, Iron Eagle. Hammer the Towers. Oh, yeah, it, yeah, it was one of the songs on his mixtape that he played when he was flying around being cool. <laughs> <laughs> now He's flying around being cool. Being cool. A Princess of the Universe, though? That's that was a, definitely Highlander, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely Highlander. That's good. Yeah, stuff. and don't lose your head. Give me the prize. Who wants to live forever? Forever, yeah. yeah. To live forever. Which is a great song. I keep saying that over and over. I yeah, know. I know. That's one of the well, things. It's is like, hard not to. Yeah, because with with Queen, outside of I'm in love with my car, you're like, yeah, that's really a good song. All right, so after that, Queen the Miracle came out. Besides having a really hard-to-look-at cover, (laughs) which has got, like, all four of their faces merging into one another, um, 
Kagoshi's ship, the miracle, I want it all. I want it all. This is another one of the albums I that I didn't actually all. buy. Yeah. This is this isn't a high point, but apparently Joel loves it. What the heck? That's a great it's like, another great song. I mean it, Yeah, both of those songs are good songs. They're easily the best songs on the album. Oh yeah. But like if I didn't like at least three songs, I usually didn't buy the album. Hmm. So moving on to Innuendo nineteen ninety one. Hey, hey. Makes it as good as a nudge to a blind bat. <laughs> nice. Different innuendo. Right. And your endo. You gotta give him at least half a credit. That this has a lot of good ones though. Yep. I'm uh, going show must go in. on. Uh, I'm, I'm going, going slightly mad. Lightly mm-hmm. and headlong. Mm-hmm. Crashing headlong. It's a good song. Show must go on is probably the best one out of the whole album. Well, and that's the one I associate when he passed. I mean, that's the one that they used the the quote from for all the tribute stuff that was coming out yeah because they they <laughs> left off uh their most famous uh live album live at wembley which is another one that i owned and played the hell out of mm. it's like a four disc super because it was not it was not their set from live aid it was when they returned to wembley one year later and got more than a 20 minute set mm. it's one of the best concerts of all time yeah so finally, the final and 15th album released after the death of Freddie Mercury uh, called Made in Heaven came out in uh, 1995. Songs on this one, Beautiful Day, Made in Heaven, Let Me Live, Mother Love, My Life Has Been Saved, I Was Born to Love You, Heaven for Everyone, Too Much Love Will Kill You. It, I, I think there should have been a better, better album for post Freddie Mercury's death. I mean, I was hoping on this one that they would have better music on this one. I mean, better songs on this one, especially after you have like previously "Show Must Go On" and the other ones that we uh, just talked about. Well, I think this is kind of what was left, hmm. left over, because uh, I agree this is not their strongest album. No. Another one I, I didn't bother to buy. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I've, I've never heard well, this album. Yes, Joel? There to kind of have input in the songs before they were finished or how much he did actually finish of them. Um, or if, like I said, it was just kind of odds and ends that maybe were lying around that hadn't seen the light of day. I don't know. Yeah, it might be like in a situation where an author dies and they have like semi-finished uh, stories that wind up showing up, even though they're not, com- they're not a hundred percent complete or not something that like, like for example, like when Terry Pratchett died, he had a bunch of, a bunch of stories on the hard drive, of his computer, <laughs> and he tasked uh, Neil Gaiman to run that hard drive over with a, with a steamroller. So those, unfinished stories never came out. I think that's huh. the situation with this album is that it's just uh, songs that never a hundred percent were done. By the way, I want the same thing. I want you guys to run my hard drive over with a steamroller when different. I die in completely, For completely different, different reasons. reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a steamroller. I'd like you guys to destroy, but I don't know how you'll do it. <laughs> 
I'll just throw a bunch of hard drives at it. <laughs> it's a very embarrassing steamroller. <laughs> but yeah, this is. Oh, sorry. I was just reading this here. It says that um, uh, in '91, after completing work on Innuendo, and some months before his death, Freddie recorded as many vocals as he could with the instruction to the rest of the band to complete the songs later. So apparently he did all these kind of pre with his, with his blessing, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And said, just kind of do with it what you can. I'm going to get as much in as I, as I possibly can before I pass. So that, that probably again, has something to do with it. Then it sounds like so you don't have time to kind of tweak them and fine tune them and make them exactly what you want. Especially if you don't have the original artist to sing the song. You got to go with what you got on record. Yep. Tupac, I'm looking at you. Oh, he's still alive. What are you talking about? I wouldn't doubt that, actually. So the one of the final songs that uh, that Pretty Mercury did off of Innuendo, the show must go on. Um, One of the things that I like about this one is... He actually had concerns that he wasn't able to sing this one correctly. Well, yeah, it was Brian May wrote it and wasn't sure that uh, Freddie was going to be able to hit the notes. He wasn't actually sure it was possible for a human to sing. Mm-hmm. So one of the, I mean, again, I'm not a hundred percent sure that this is true, but I like to believe it. I'm going to believe it because it's freaking awesome. Uh, Fred, he said, I don't know if it's going to be possible to do this. I don't know if I'll be able to sing it. And he grabbed it and grabbed a bottle of vodka, said, I'll fucking do it, darling. Chugged the bottle, half a bottle of vodka, and then killed it in one take. For the show must go on. Yes, that that is a story that Brian May has told over the years. So I choose okay. to believe it as well. If Brian May is saying it, Brian, he's a... Again, this is someone that everybody should uh, aspire to be, is a... Uh, what astrophysicist. astrophysicist rock star. He is yeah. freaking um, Buckaroo Banzai. He has done. He has done actual theoretical work that has been on on the ISS. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that's insanity. He's he's written number one hit songs. He's toured the world and partied with rock stars. He's and almost he's, died of hepatitis. <laughs> And he's got yeah. work on this International Space Station. Hmm. And he can walk into NASA and talk shop. That's insane. He He's a pretty cool dude. Yeah. He's, ra- he's a righteous dude. <laughs> he's a righteous dude. So uh, they saw a resurgence. We talked a little bit about, about it earlier. Uh, when Wayne's World came out of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody coming back, but Bohemian Rhapsody actually right now holds a record of being a song that has hit in the top 100 three times in its existence. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Oh, another fact about this band. This is one of my favorite uh, music trivia facts. This is the only band in the world that all all members have written a number one song. Mm -hmm. This and the Eagles, I believe. No, the Eagles haven't even done it. Really? Yeah. No shit. Well, it's like Freddie Mercury. I saw a quote from him earlier when I was doing some research, and he said, we're all solo artists that are in a group together. 
Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what they were. Yeah. Nice. So before we go to the break, I, I like you, like your uh, last question here, Mike. So let's let's get at it, and I, I'll pose it to you. Uh, what is your favorite Queen song? <sighs> I know it's tough. I was thinking about this. Mm. That's like asking me what my favorite kind of coffee is. Um, <laughs> it's favorite Queen Hot. Queen song. Not necessarily the best, but your personal favorite. Well, okay. I'll just start off the conversation because I know what my favorite Queen song is. Okay. It's it's 39 is my favorite one. Really? Oh, okay. That's a good pick and a deep cut. Yeah. Nice. And, I mean, I find it very funny that, you know, the, one of the biggest reasons I, I love Queen is Freddie Mercury's voice. And then my favorite song is not even sung by him. Right. Yeah, that's uh, Brian May singing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the very few songs he sings lead on. And Freddie and Freddie just sings back up in the chorus and shit. Way to just ruin things, Pat. <laughs> Jerk. Joel, you got a pick? Um, I mean everybody everybody expects us to say, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody or whatever, but I think for me, just because it's where I started, I, another one bites the dust, whenever it comes on, I I'll listen. Um uh um, my best friend recently has become a, a, a favorite, but I think I'm going to stick with uh, another one bites the dust. And Mike, you got something before I close it out? Not at all. Don't stop me now. Nice. Just, I mean, partially because it is a, it's a great song that demonstrates the instrument ability of Brian May for the guitars and also the ability of the four of them to harmonize. And <laughs> this sounds stupid, but Paul Rudd lip syncing Don't Stop Me Now is amazing. So it's got the that's, combo. That's one of my my favorite things on the internet like, at this current moment is him lip syncing in that song is fucking hysterical. Oh, anything that Paul Rudd does is the little, the little kick and then the little look aside back and forth to the uh-huh. cameras. And when, and he, when he's, I'm, they call me Mr. Fahrenheit and he touches his ass. I mean, yep. it's, oh my God. And I Everything am a hundred percent that anything, Paul Krasinski is the next Paul Rudd mm-hmm. or John Krasinski is the next Paul Rudd, but don't stop me now. Possibly. I, I, you know what? Screw it. I'm putting the stamp on it. My favorite queen song right there. It's a good song. It's a good pick. Done. For me, it's always been The Show Must Go On. Oh, such a good song. I mean, when I got my single for Bohemian Rhapsody, a single, if you will, <laughs> was, uh, the original B-side w- was not uh, The Show Must Go On, but for the 92 re-release, right after Freddie died, that's what the B-side was. And uh, I... I probably played it almost as much as the A-side. I was just spellbound by that song. Hmm. And I will give one um, additional little um, side fact or side note or whatever. If I have to pick a favorite Queen song that is sung by Freddie Mercury, it would be Somebody to Love. Hmm. All these are good songs. I can't argue with any of them. Yeah. I, I mean... 
Prophet song is a close second, just Ooh, because yeah. it's one I've mm. always had an affinity for that not a whole lot of people even know. But yeah. uh, uh, it's it's really always been Show Must Go On. Cause do you remember once talking about like trying to do that on a stage production, that show, you and I were talking about that, and I was like, yeah, but the problem is nobody knows that song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. All right, so when uh, we come back, we are going to talk about Queen post-2000. And uh, more than likely, the latest uh, Bohemian Rhapsody movie. Probably mostly the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. All right, we are back. We're going to talk about post-2000 Queen. True. (laughs) True. That is a thing that we are going to discuss. I'm real, I got okay. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not real familiar with a lot of their stuff. I've I saw one concert with George Michael, and I really liked it. And I heard they went on tour, but I didn't go see him or anything. And I haven't seen anything. And I've never seen any of the Adam Lambert stuff. I mean, that's basically the two eras of post Freddie Queen is uh, the brief uh, touring with George Michael, and then the longer uh, up to current with Adam Lambert. And they both, uh, honestly, you couldn't have asked for singers. He's irreplaceable. But if you had to try, those two guys are your best shot. Adam Lambert, I listened to a couple songs that I I won't say sung by, but covered by Adam Lambert. And he's he's not bad. But I think he's got way, I mean, going technical with it, it's he's got like way too much tremolo in his voice to compare for Freddie Mercury. Well, and that's the thing is no one's going to be Freddie, but you're probably not going to get anyone living who's closer than Adam right now. That's true. Unless they find some Korean that used to sing with Journey. <laughs> I understand that reference. Yeah, unless there's some <laughs> unknown out there somewhere that just has not been discovered yet. Mm-hmm. You know, well. I mean, he had a very, he had a very, very distinctive voice. Mm-hmm. There was a uh, YouTube video that was going around like a year ago that had a guy that sounded a lot like him. Oh, I, I saw that one. Yeah, he really did. Yeah, and then the guy that uh, did the movie soundtrack, which we'll get to in the trivia, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so moving on. Some of the uh, now for it, like I said, they've uh, toured with Paul Rogers. They uh, separated from EMI Records and uh, have been touring with Queen in post-2000. This is actually discussing with my kids the same questions. What is the first Mm -hmm. Queen song that you've ever heard? And for both of them, it was Somebody to Love. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah, because it was sung by Anne Hathaway in the film Ella Enchanted in uh, 2004, and then was covered also by Brittany Murphy in Happy Feet in uh, 2001. So I've seen both of those films, and I don't remember that. You don't remember Anne Hathaway singing Somebody to Love? Not off the top of my head. I've seen that movie a couple times, but I don't, yeah, I don't remember that. No. Oh. It's been a while since I've seen it, probably since 2005, six, maybe. Okay. Yeah, and Happy Happy Feet, of course, it also think they're they're playing penguins, so they're talking about putting your flippers together and that sort of thing. So it's kind of weird, but they they know of the songs, but they did not he- initially hear them as uh, being sung by Freddie Mercury. 
Also, some of the post-2000 stuff is uh, uh, Jim Broadbent and uh, Nicole Kidman and Moulin Rouge singing Show Must Go On. And then, of course, A Knight's Tale singing We Are the Champions and one of the most illogical starts of a movie whatsoever as they're banging on the bleachers for uh, jousting competition. Yeah, I didn't... Well, Knight's Tale, let's not get on that. Yeah. It's, it's fun. I, I really like the movie. Yeah, I do too. Uh, not as much movie. as I like Moulin Rouge, but I, I really like uh, Night's Tale. Night's Tale is just fun. Maybe I need to watch it again. I, I saw it in the theater and I was very disappointed. Maybe you just need to be stopping. Such a Tudak, come on. Maybe you need to oh, shut baby. your what? face. What's that? What's that cranky bitch? Shut, <laughs> now maybe, maybe shut up. Now that, that you know what to expect, I think you might appreciate A Knight's Tale a little bit more. I could see if, if you walk into expecting one thing and get another, you could. Yeah, because I thought I thought I was walking into you know a period piece. You know. And... <laughs> I mean. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? They're gonna try and say. And I was a little, you know, I was like, well, okay, whatever. But then when they got to the, you know, they were dancing to David Bowie. I'm like, you're literally saying they're dancing to this song. Yeah, yeah so. I knew what they were going for before I saw it the first time, so that probably yep. explains the difference in our experiences. Yep, same here, Josh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, we, we've <laughs> minor derail. Yeah, yeah. we get to the big hit for second half. <laughs> yes, the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay, so 2010, Brian May uh, announced that Sasha Baron Cohen was going to play Freddie Mercury in a biopic about the band. And everybody said that's fantastic. Yep, it, I was it, one of them. I, I was for that casting. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Everybody was. Well. Every, I mean, very. I mean, unfortunately, because they mm-hmm. he looks like Freddie Mercury. Uh, the hey. other side of it was they separated due to creative differences. Well, what happened was I don't know if you guys have heard this, but the first draft of the movie, Freddie Mercury, the one that they presented to Sasha Baron Cohen, the first half of the movie was. Uh, all Freddie Mercury, and then the second half was after he. So he died in the middle mm-hmm. of the movie, mm-hmm. and in Sasha Baron Cohen was like, "I don't want to sign up for a movie where you know where the lead dies halfway through it, you know." So that and they didn't want to change the script, which they eventually did anyway. So that's pretty much what lost him. Mm-hmm. So after that, yeah. they announced that uh, Ben Wista Wista. Uh, he was Q in Skyfall, was supposed to replace him. That didn't go through. And then eventually they got Rami Malek, who just killed it. Yep. Yep, not too many guys get Best Actor for a performance who didn't act- absolutely destroy the role. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he, he was amazing. <laughs> yeah, so it um, after the release, Bohemian Rhapsody entered the Billboard Hot 100 for the third time, as we had said before, uh, originally in 1976 when it released, 1992 with Wayne's World, and then jumping back in for this one, uh, directed by Brian Singer. Uh, You may know him for such things as X-Men, Usual Suspects, and being accused of diddling kids. (laughs) Freddie Mercury? Allegedly. Allegedly, yes. Uh, Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury, L- Lucy Boynton as Mary Austin, Brian May as Gillum Lee. Uh, uh, Other way. Strike that. Reverse it. What's that? <laughs> what did yeah. I just say? 
You said Brian, Brian May as Gwilym Lee. <laughs> oh, well, you, you never know. Brian May is a weird dude. Well, <laughs> and Gwilym Lee as Brian May was uncanny. Yeah, yeah right? Holy I, crap, I, yeah. I had to look it up at one point because I was like, did they, is this Brian May? <laughs> did they himself? just dye his hair? Did, I was like, did what? they de-age him? Did yeah, you, yeah. I, I really w- I had to stop and look it up at one point. Hmm? Yeah, when we were watching it, I, I was like, that is uncanny how much he looks like him. And I showed Laura a picture of him, and she's like, holy shit. Yeah, you look just like him. And then uh, Ben Hardy plays Roger Taylor. Uh, Joseph Mazzello is John Deacon, and uh, Adrian Gen brought John Reed, Alien Alan I, Leach. I, by the way, I loved the wardrobe for John Deacon. Oh, for sure. Like it was just so accurate. <laughs> like, he was just such like a like a dad rocker. <laughs> <laughs> And this is an Aiden Gillen role where he isn't like just a straight up douche, right? Yeah, he's the one that got fucked, actually. Although yeah, he... I learned that Littlefinger, his voice is not any different. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I thought it was interesting that he was in this film, and then um, uh, Ramsey Bolton was in the Dirt Motley Crew film. The two uh, Game of Thrones alums. Sure. Hmm. And if you want more Aiden Gillen, that's another reason to watch The Wire. That that was his breakout. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, Alan Leach is Paul Prenter. Uh, you may know him from such things as Imitation Game and Downton Abbey. Also, uh, Tom Hallander as Jim Beach and Mike Myers as uh, Ray douche. Foster. Oh, that, w- that was Mike Myers? As a giant douchebag. That actually wasn't the casting. They were just like, oh, Mike was hanging out. So they're like, let's just give him a name. <laughs> He would, he was just walking around in makeup. Yeah. <laughs> hey, like, you. With sunglasses. Hey, anybody, anybody, anybody looking for someone to do a cameo? Mike, I got another, you're not I got in another the movie. Goofy, I got another goofy character for you. <laughs> See, I liked him as Ray Foster, even though Ray Foster wasn't a real person. I thought it was awesome that you have the guy who is arguing against Bohemian Rhapsody being good, being the same guy who played Wayne Campbell. There's just a nice symmetry there. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't even yeah. think about that, but you're right. Oh my I, God. I, yeah, I actually like Mike Myers, so I really don't have a problem with it. It just was funny to me that, like, like if you're gonna do that bad of a makeup job on him, just don't bother. Mm-hmm. Like he was obviously Mike Myers. <laughs> All right, so some trivia on this one: Queen guitarist Brian May and drummer Roger Taylor performed a rock arrangement at the 20th Century Fanfare. Mm. Uh, British, As if you couldn't tell by the guitar, yeah, yeah. Uh, British choreographer and movement coach Polly Bennett worked painstakingly with Rami Malek to perfect every nuance of Freddie Mercury's mannerisms, every eye glance, every turn, every strut on stage, and every flick of the microphone had to be just right. And if you have seen the shot-for-shot uh, shot comparison of the Live Aid concert, she did a great freaking job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. she basically turned Rami Malek into Freddie Mercury, and it was amazing. Yeah, there were a lot of people shitting on this movie uh, in the lead-up to Oscar season, but I think that you have to be completely mental to not appreciate what Rami Malek did in this role. No, and got to be mental. He did great. I mean, considering who he took the the people that he took the uh, role from, he was just amazing on it. Uh, so Canadian singer Mark Martell lends his voice to the biopic as Freddie Mercury. Uh, they use a mix of his voice and Freddie's together on top of Rami Malek's. 
In an interview, Malik said that his singing was seamlessly mixed with both Freddy's and Martell's. Now, Martell, uh, this sounds Joel. He's known for yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody and Five Nights at Freddy's World, <laughs> where he plays Foxy. That's an interesting resume right there. I mean, jo- I mean Josh, I know you know about this. Pat, I'm relatively certain you have no clue what Five Nights at Freddy's is. No, but you guys have told me I should watch it. It's a no, game. I don't think they want to play it. Yeah. Oh, play it? Yeah. Oh, it's a video yeah. game. Whatever, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, you guys have mentioned it before and brought it yeah, up. Yeah, we have. Yeah. It's a, it's a big thing. There's toys at Walmart. There's t-shirts. There's it's it's it was there's a lot going on with it. Yeah. All right, so some more trivia. During the filming of the scene in which Bohemian Rhapsody guitar solo is recorded, Brian Ray arrived on set unannounced and watched actor Gwilym Lee work through the scene. That's cool. Which I wonder if he was giving him, like, oh, no, I was doing this here. You know, like, if he was giving him pointers. <laughs> why wouldn't he? Uh, yeah. Why wouldn't you take it? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And then how much do you freak out when you're trying to do the scene that he did and he shows up? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> there goes my acting plan out the window. Yeah, and then uh, Rami Malek landed a leading role because producers liked his performance in uh, Mr. Robot, and uh, his jawline reminded them of Freddie Mercury. Interesting, <laughs> little bit of trivia there. Uh, I mean, that's his breakout. I, I only watched the first season, but it's awesome. Yeah, that and that. Uh, what's the video game with him in it, Josh? Uh, where they're all up in the... Um, Until Dawn? Yeah. Yeah. Really good game. Uh, the Live Aid concert stage is the largest set that Brian Singer ever constructed for a film. It's a 100% trustworthy replica of the original, even in the Pepsi plastic glasses on the piano. That's pretty uh, Titanic James Cameron-y. Yeah, it is. I mean, but if you're going to do a biopic about one of the biggest rock bands in existence. And one of the most like, iconic concerts of all time. For oh, sure. I mean, that event was photographed from every possible angle. So he had the source material to build it from. Yeah. Yeah. Got to get it right. Because people are going to shit on him if he didn't. And that's the thing that I never, the, the, one of the things that I never understand and one of the things that I really kind of hate is when, directors or movie makers try to get as completely close to what it, what a scene or what an event looked like as possible, but people still shit on it. Yeah. People nitpick it to death. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that type of zipper was not made until 1994. Wow. Shut up. Yeah. Just enjoy Shut the up. scene. Yeah. Enjoy the scene. Like, enjoy the music. Like, yeah, if, if they're if they're driving around in a 2009 Lexus, I see your point. But if you're gonna if you're gonna bitch about the the type of zipper on a jacket, you know, is that a thing that I missed? Yeah, I'm no, I'm just, but thing. somebody has bitched. I've I've read something on 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 Reddit where somebody was bitching about like the stitching and something, and I'm like, just shut up. Oh my god. Yeah, that's yeah. a little too too much. Yeah. But they didn't notice the 2009 Lexus. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, like it, they'd be like, you know, if somebody's walking around in the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, with a Rolex on, you know, and the, the year is 1974, and they're like, actually, that model wasn't released until 1976. Like, yeah. that doesn't matter. Yeah, like, look, that's that's not something that's going to take you out. If he's wearing a Swatch watch, 
that should take you out of the scene. He walked into the scene on a hoverboard. Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> wasn't the right age to be playing this role at that time. Just so, yeah, I just, I, I hate when people want to nitpick stupid stuff like that. But anyway, we've, we have derailed. Uh, yeah, this is not a bad movie. I don't know why we're derailing. Right? Yeah, sorry. But uh, yeah, what did you guys think of it? I assume this was everybody's first time, right? It, uh, I think they saw it in the theater. You got a couple of you. I, uh, I planned to see it in the theater, but never got around to it. My first time was yesterday. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, it was my first time. I, I'd meant to see it um, and just, I, you know, whatever, couldn't. And um, I saw it at Walmart when I was shopping. Yeah, they, they did a huge media blitz on this. And every time I saw a trailer, I'm like, dude, I need to see this in the theater. And I didn't. So I was dying to see it. And this gave me a, a good reason to, to watch it finally. So what do you I think? I mean, from beginning to end, I, I was really impressed. I, I was pretty well informed about like the things that they changed from the way it actually happened. That uh, he didn't join the band the first night he met them. Uh, it wasn't Freddie's decision to go solo first. It was Roger's. And the band never broke up or became estranged. Yeah, they were they were perfectly fine about you know doing their own works. But I mean, the, many of the changes they made were to make sure that there was a clear narrative, like rise and fall for the sake of the story. So yeah. it's fine. Yeah, and nothing they added, you know, hurt the story by any stretch. And I mean, you have to take some liberties with the storytelling because otherwise, you know, like I said, it doesn't make a. Uh, it's it's a film. It's not know. like they added a 2009 Lexus. Right. It's not a documentary. They, they've got a yeah you got a Hollywood up some things you know right and it worked like like Josh said it didn't take away from it moved the story forward and it uh, added some depth to some things uh, and it was just very well done all the way around yeah I had heard so many good things about this movie and being a queen fan and everything I just went ahead and bought it when I saw it and I'm not disappointed I've very much liked it the performances were all really good they mostly stuck to the story and they did a good job of showing how you know it was never really like a you know Freddie and his cohorts type of thing they were always trying to be equals regardless of anything and well like the scene where he kicks Littlefinger out of the car I mean at that point anyway uh, he was he's like you know it's we're we're a family we're a unit and you're not going to break that up because of money or whatever um one of the things i thought that that they showed that was really nicely done was how even though here's this guy that's loved by millions of people and is famous and can't go anywhere without being recognized that he truly was alone mm-hmm and the fact that, you know, the one person that he loved the most, he couldn't be with or wouldn't be with. And she had to decide, you know, to kind of move on with her own life. But yet here he is in this big house all by himself. And yet everybody thinks he's, you know, the most popular guy in the room and that he probably has friends over every night. And he's, you know. And, and to be to be that upset over finding out that he's bisexual, I'm like. You did know that the man dressed in leather capes and sequin jumpsuits and, you know, and he called everybody dear and darling and you're going to like have the audacity to be shocked. 
I don't know. You see, I think that that scene could have made her out to be a villain, and it was artfully played that it didn't, especially yeah, yeah. considering the time and place. Yeah, because she's all like, you know, and it's not even your fault, and yada, yada. Yeah. But, I mean, it's still, you know, like, how can you be surprised, you know? Well, I think part of it was just that she was she was hurt because she didn't want to believe it because she was so in love with him. And, you know, he really did, at least in the film, I mean, he was in love with her, and, and she was his, uh, I don't want to say muse necessarily, but... um you know, his, the most important person in his life. So it, it's gotta be difficult to deal with when the reality kind of comes crashing down. Uh, the other crazy thing talking about reality, uh, the party that they showed was so understated from the parties he threw. It's <laughs> one of those where if you showed it the way it really was, everyone would think it was wildly <laughs> unrealistic from all reports. Well, and once again, it kind of showed the nice kind of, um, uh, you know, the fact that the other guys had started to, to move on with their lives and get married and have kids. And here he is still the lonely superstar. And it was a nice kind of way of, of showing that using the party as a kind of, um, I don't know, metaphor is the right word. Their lives truly were. Because his sexuality kind of alienated him. Well, and that's the, the interview scene kind of uh, links up with that, where uh, he's getting all these questions about his personal life. And then when MTV drops their music video and blames him because of his sexuality, which really happened. Um, yeah. It, it wore him down. And, and the ironic part of it was, it wasn't even his idea. Yep. Yeah, I had pretty high expectations for this film, and they were pretty much exceeded. I didn't even know Brian Singer directed it, to be honest with you. Because <laughs> I remember that they had a, a different person attached initially, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on who it was now when uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was originally attached. Oh, it was uh, Roman Polanski. Was it? No. No. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? I don't think that's right, Pat. That was a that was a meta joke, sir. Seven Lexus and that would I'm yeah. not even sure how that would Roman Polanski doing a biopic on Queen would be not the same film. Definitely not. His style would uh, not have gone very well with it. No. David Lynch's Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, uh that would have been different, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Way different. Um Wes Anderson's. <laughs> oh shit. No. The color palette, though. Quentin Tarantino's? <laughs> <laughs> Brian May kills Freddie Mercury. But first yeah, we I... dance. <laughs> It'd be the, be, the, be the Queen biopic with no Queen music. Yeah, there's, there's 17 great songs, none of them by Queen. <laughs> Why is everybody barefoot? <laughs> Uma Thurman as <laughs> as Roger Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> and we seriously uh, Yeah, I think the train has crashed at this point. <laughs> yeah. No, I had I had high expectations as well. And I'm, yeah. They same, were they were met. Same boat, same boat, yeah. I mean I really I 
I went into this knowing, you know, he'd won an Oscar and, you know, and had all this, you know, media flap and, and, you know, I straight up bought the movie before I'd even seen it. And still, I thought it was better than I was expecting. I really liked this movie. It was well done. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, and I mean, we, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and I mean, the music is, is only part of it, but everything else that they, they did around the music was, was spot on. I can't. I can't wait until I get into a permanent, like living situation, so I can hook up my surround sound and watch this movie again with the music. Oh, it's it definitely needs to be watched in that format. Yeah, Mm. because that that's what I did, and and had it turned up quite a bit, and it it just it adds to it. It's as much a character in the film as as the characters in the film. Yeah, and and their song placement for everything was very good too. Yes. Very much so. All right. So if we said what we've come to <laughs> yeah. say about Queen or not. Do we need to do a thumbs up, thumbs down on Queen? I, I, that seems excessive. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like all the fingers are up. Yeah. On yeah. this one across the board. All right. So what do we have on tap for next week, gentlemen? Well, I'm going to get you, sucker. All right. Well, if uh, you want to give us your favorite Queen song or uh, anything else you've heard on the show, give us a call. Let us know. 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. All right. Yeah. yeah. Looking for older stuff? iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, all those places, and Spotify. Leave us a review. iTunes. Just, just Google us. Yeah. Google us. iTunes, wherever. You know, honestly. Time chaser. Podchaser, go there. Just put a post-it note on your fridge. We don't even care at this point. <laughs> Somebody cares. Someone does, but they're not here. Somewhere. I, I care. No. I don't really. Aww. Womp womp. I'm over here doing the twee and eating a banana.